Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. It's not as hot today, so we're going to try staying stationary in yes, the car. And not moaning in excess <laughs> about attics and heat and other things. I know. We're it's, gonna just, do it. it's just pleasant. We're just going to approach this as sensible adults today. <laughs> I think my car will be able to handle it today. So, good, good. So that's good. I have to tell you, Rachel, something that... So Rachel was out of town last week, so she missed this. Otherwise, I would have been immediately on the horn with you telling me my what. I'm my out of woes. town, but I did have a phone still. But well, it's all I right. don't know. You were out of you were out of touch. I wasn't going to call you at the lake for me to tell you my sorrow. <laughs> okay, tell me, tell me so, now. So <clears throat> I'm back to the to the just, cares this, of the real world now. I felt like this one was a, a little bit of an extra spice. So okay, I'm ready. Last week we had an event at our house Friday night. It was um, an NSA staff event. So it was like 30 people coming for a dinner party, you know, and uh, quite a while ago. For our anniversary, Ben and I decided to order an actual bed. Like, we only have, we have, like, the metal frame with box spring and mattress on it, you know? And it's this really beautiful bed that, for years, I have been like, someday we ought to get that. Yeah, okay. and like, let's just do that. Let's, let's splash out. So, we order this bed. And it's this kind of extended time of, like, we'll contact you to set up a time to deliver it. And they're going to bring it in and set it up, you know? And then when they finally get around to contacting us, because this is like weeks later, they're going to bring it on Thursday. And I was like, that's not my favorite because we're doing this thing on Friday, so Thursday's going to be busy. And you have to like, you know, empty your bedroom out and lug the mattress out and, you know, the whole thing. Okay. And our bedroom is off the dining room, so that means everything will be in the dining room. So mm -hmm. it's like, that's not great, but whatever. It's fine. We'll make it work. It'll be no problem. Well, we get to Thursday, and it was like, oh, whoops, we have to push this to Friday. And I was like, that's really not my favorite. <laughs> and they said they would be there between 11.30 and 1.30. Mm. So I'm like, that's, that's tight, you know, to have the mattress splashed around in the dining room. But, oh, well, we'll make it happen. We, we're going to suck it up. We're going to make it happen. So Ben, like, runs home from work at you know, mid-morning to, like, drag the bed out and everything so it'll be ready. Well, then he gets a call. It's like, <laughs> oh, we're running behind. <laughs> we're going to be there between four and six. <laughs> I was going to say, nothing is better than if they canceled on you after you drug your whole bed out into the... But between four and six, Rachel, like, we'll try and touch you like, you know, then. come at six and get some treats while you're at it. <laughs> but, but then Ben was like, you know, we do have 30 people showing up for dinner. And that's really not a convenient time. So they said, well, we'll try and be as close to four as we can. So we're like, this is ridiculous, but okay. So you can't, you can't set up the tables or anything <laughs> because everything is drug out in the dining room. So they show up at four. They struggle in with the bed. They're doing the thing of like laying out all the cardboard all over the yard and street, you know, fish the bed out of the packaging, huffle it in the door through. They get all the pieces in and then they go out in front and start having this weird sort of frantic conference amongst themselves. <laughs> And then they're on the phone for a while, and then they come back in and they're like, uh, so they didn't send us any of the parts to, like, attach the bed? <laughs> so it's like, you're kidding me. And they said, we'll have to give you a call next week sometime. And so it's like, okay. So then they start to head out, and then they come back and they're like, no, we have to take the bed with us. So, so they have to pack the whole bed back up, take it out, oh, no. and this is all unfurling itself between 4.30 and 5.30. Yeah. You know, when Perfect. we have, and then we have to shove everything back in our room in this great state of haste. And instead of having a nicely tidy bedroom, it's like, it's like we took an egg whisk to our bedroom. So the end of the dinner party... Yeah. We kind of go in and we <laughs> look at the mayhem. And it's like we've already moved the frame out into the back of the truck. So now we, we just, and then of course it's a long weekend. 
I still have a mattress on the floor and this horrible pile all over the bedside tables which are squished uh, up. It's, it's just it's actually mm. perfect. It's a perfect yeah. in the quest to better your bedroom. <laughs> that's what happened. It's so bad. So anyway, that happened to me and uh, I haven't recovered yet. I'm, I'm touched. I, I, know, I can see though, recovered. given the timing of this, I can uh -huh. see why you didn't call me to tell me. <laughs> you know. didn't also need to get on the phone before your dinner yeah. party. Yeah. And mm. Jemima, meanwhile, was actually time-lapsing the setup of the dinner party just from over in the corner. So that was good. She caught these guys That's coming good. in, going out, bringing a bed, bringing it back. <laughs> mattresses here, mattresses there. It was... <laughs> <laughs> that's really uh, so that happened and i don't even know when they're gonna call they just sort of said well we'll Where get back in touch this bed it was restoration hardware so yeah. i was really not impressed with their ideas restoration hardware should have tried harder they should have they really should have but uh um, oh, well that's hilarious so anyway we did that and so rach how are you i'm well we were at the lake which is really great times there's something it's really nothing like a north idaho lake it's deep in my in my yeah in my bones the smell of the lake the yeah, like it's the cold the cold the deep cold in idaho lake. even in the hot times we have cold water in the oh, lake yeah. so just i mean it was like we were there for a really hot couple of days yeah. so then yeah. it petered down in just, just the 90s but we were it was over 100 a couple mm -hmm. of days we were there and even so, you go out and you're just roasting on the dock, but you jump in and it knocks the wind right out yep, of you and you yep. come up and you have to do a little while of, oh, okay, yeah. you know, coming back to it, but it was really fun. And it's fun having the kids being older. Yeah. It's a different dynamic. There's yeah. a lot less of a um, panic attack all the yeah, time. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. less panicking for me. Yeah. A lot less frantic head counting. I yeah. still did a lot of head counting, but not as frantically. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, it was a good time. That's fun. So, so we thought we should talk today about, I don't know, 101 ways that you can destroy your husband. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of our favorite topics. I like how we just, both laugh. Maybe just one way that you could destroy your husband. So we were talking about this because I think pre-podcast that there are a lot. This is actually just because it's an old, old story. It is a really old story. And I don't think that women have a master plan. It's not like maybe some of them do. Maybe there might be some Delilah's out and about. But the thing is, is many wives, I think destroy their husband, tank his career, split the church, cause him to be fired, make all his friends and family hate him, alienate him from everyone, whatever. And they didn't really set out to do that, but that is absolutely what happens. And I think it is a little complain, like a little slow drip of a complain People aren't respecting you enough. I can't believe your mother would treat you like that. I can't believe that they don't pay you more. I can't believe that they don't listen to your ideas. Feeding that little, you know, the, and it might be something that maybe your husband is eager and ready to hear that. Or maybe you just sit and wear away at it until he finally starts taking these things on board. But I just... I think it is so destructive. I think, I think at the heart of it, sometimes people can get into this genuinely with no ill intent at all. And that would be if you actually have no solid Christian intuition about what encouragement or respect is. Right. And that means that, that like... Or confessing your sins. Right. But there's a way in which you could think, it's my job to support and encourage my husband. Mm -hmm. So if he is feeling insecure at work... My job would be to tell him he deserves so much better. He, so like, so yeah. whether they think they might be encouraging, what they're right. actually doing is really destructive. Like instead yeah. of being, um, <clears throat> like instead of like they, or they think that they're respecting him by being, saying 
everyone else is mistreating you. You are so okay. You are so qualified for this, or you are so good, and they are so bad. Like they think that that's what respect is. Now, see, this is this is an extreme example, which I I would hope that most people would see as being a completely atrocious bit of behavior. But there was a, a woman who was full of. I can't believe that your boss would make you do that. I can't believe he would ask that of you. I can't believe that they're not giving you what you asked for on and on. So she, without telling her husband, marched into his boss's office and told him off about how he was treating her husband. Now, I think everyone could see, ah, you did not do your husband a favor with that like well, if you wanted to make him have a better to, time at work to say the <laughs> least like how can i make things better for my husband at work that's not the way that is not the way forward <laughs> but although most women probably would have enough of a sense to not march in and give the boss a piece of her mind uh the same net result can happen on more of a trickle rather than right. a outburst and that is by at home, just the constant little nagging worm tongue voice that is telling him that he should be discontent with I that. Know, I that know, I know you all should be jealous of that other coworker. That he should be upset with his. You deserve that yes. and such, or you, or I can't believe they don't respect you more. Or I can't, and and this is the thing. You guys will be shocked to hear me say that I want to talk to you again about why you should be reading your Bible. But <laughs> this is one of one of the reasons. And that is that a husband and a wife together, the husband should be the spiritual head of the home. And he should be someone that you can rely on for his spiritual insight. But that does not mean that he doesn't also need to rely on your spiritual strength. Yep. At the, like, and the idea that you can just hang on his coattails spiritually and that that won't cost him anything, that you are not independently yourself walking with the Lord and, and being refined in the word. Because just imagine this circumstance. There's a faithful husband, but whose wife is not disciplined in her yeah. own spiritual life. And she is relying entirely on his spiritual strength or insight or his, you know, clear. And so for most of the time, if she comes along and just affirms what he said, that's not a real massive danger if he's being godly, right? Like if, if he's not struggling spiritually, then her just coming along behind and be saying, you know, right, you are, that's right, let's do that, then that's not a huge hazard. But if he's actually going through a trial of some kind where he needs, like desperately needs the clarity of someone who also will see their situation through the word, not through his no. his emotional situation. Now, imagine that it's something at work. You know, where it's like, let's say that he really was unfairly passed over or it appears that he was unfairly passed over. Or let's say he got in trouble at work for something that, you know, like, like demoted or like put on a performance improvement plan. Yeah, well, I was more thinking about maybe he really was wronged, you know, like, like just give it for the sake of argument. Let's say that maybe not wronged, but like you did deserve that and you didn't get it right Mm -hmm. now. The wife could complain, 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 not let it go, harp on it. Like if they had given you that promotion, we could have gone to Hawaii this summer, but yeah. I guess now we'll just have to stay home because I guess they I don't have appreciate to start clipping you. coupons yeah, now that they the don't people appreciate your you work and all the so work that you do. Selfish. So you could be that, or you could be like, thank you so much for handling this in a godly Christian way. Even though I know that's hard, I right. so admire you for overlooking an offense. Like, yep. And that could be just exactly what he needs. And what that is, is actual respect. Right. And it's also respect that lines up with God's word. It's respect that's saying, like... And that's what I was trying to say, is say your husband's actually struggling with something because it actually is hard. Like, if there was something like this that would be a blow to his confidence or his pride or his 
you know, perception of how valued he was at the company right. or, and there's a million different ways that this kind of thing can happen. That what your husband needs at that time is a woman who is entirely anchored in God's word in the way that you can support him in a way that actually does support him. Yeah. Not in a way that additionally yeah. brings him down and that and, additionally, and be... even, even if your job, like one of the most respectful things that a wife can do is not allow her husband to get stuck in a bog of like self-pity, self-pity or, or resentment uh, or being bitter at a situation. Like instead of saying, you know what? I am really sorry that your boss treated you that way because that's sad. But I'm not sorry that God has this for us. Right. I'm not sorry that right. God chose for us to grow through this. Yeah. I'm not sorry that God is making you more of a man that will honor him yeah. through these trials. And and that that's actually, that's not disrespectful. That's no. respecting God the Father and your husband. Right. Saying, saying like, I am really praying that it's going to be easy for you to forgive your father. For, yes. for this because this is really rough. And I'm praying and that I'm just... God will give you the clarity to do the right thing. Right. Like, and here's here's what I want for you. Yeah. I want for you not bitterness. Yeah. I or to want... just even like, you know, you aren't your husband's spiritual head, but there is nothing wrong with being like, this is really rough. And I just really am praying that we are able to get through this like Christians and be faithful and not fall into sin ourselves. And mm-hmm. I am really glad that you are handling even saying, this the way you are. Even saying things like, here's how I'm here's how I'm dealing with my own temptation to be bitter right now. Yep. And say, I'm realizing that there's nothing but destructive yeah. ugliness if I start indulging this. And, and so see, when I'm tempted, is, I have confessed it. Here's what like right. and this is a way that husbands and wives are that this is in a healthy Christian marriage. There are two faithful Christians there. And that is an amazing immune system. It is. Because when one of you is facing some kind of a spiritual infection, the last thing you need is the other one to join in. Right. Like, ooh, could we pass this along? Could it's we, kind of like, are you like, struggling with your swimming right now? I'm going to be a dead weight. I'm gonna, why don't I do that too? I'm going to cling to your ankle and go mm-hmm. limp and see right. how that goes. And, and it's amazing how much. And okay, and this is the. This is the reverse end of a, like, we're talking about the way wives bring their husbands down when their husbands are struggling with something. Like, when your husband has maybe a legitimately difficult situation, and you, instead of filling in gaps and building him up in that time, you're becoming an additional, yep. and and this would be what scripture would call rottenness in his bones, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is... and. It, when we were talking about this before, I said this to Becca, but it's because a wife is so close to her husband that if you go rotten, if you import bitterness and destructive envy and jealousy and discontent, you have a direct line. Like you have a direct line to the heart of that man. Like yep. it is not like getting some, some bad caustic substance on your hand and washing it off. It's pumping it straight into the inside of him. I yeah, mean, and it, it really, is, it's not like junk mail arriving at the door that you glance at once no, and throw away. No, it is rottenness in his bones if yep. you behave like a fool and at times think like about how Samson knew that Delilah was out to get him. He had had ample reason to realize that she was out to get him. Mm-hmm. And yet he got so sick of her crying and saying, you don't really love me. that he finally just told her, like, you really can wear your husband down mm-hmm. to the point where he's like, fine, fine. I'll stop and talking to my, to my parents now. And there's it's just another because thing. it's not worth fighting with right. you anymore. And this is a thing that I was going to say, this is, this is the, in a marriage, this, this kind of sin goes every direction. So, but the flip side of this is when women are like, whatever my emotion is, my husband has to just support it. <laughs> and he has to sit beside me and let me do it. He has right. to let me be angry for as long as I'm angry. And he's <laughs> going to support that. That that kind of mindset 
is the one that goes to give support in a way that's so destructive. Right. And, and it's more destructive because a badly behaved wife is still not the head of the house. But if a badly behaved wife can take down the head of a house, the whole house is, it is, it is a major destructive situation. Now, I think that envy can be at the root of this often if we're talking about the kind of you deserve more at work you deserve to be treated better you're whatever I think you know there's probably mixed in with it is wanting to see your husband treated well and respected but often it can be that sidelong glance that you're looking at the vacations other people take the houses other people have the clothing that other people are sporting the lifestyle that they seem to be leading and you want that so you're trying to kind of like needle your husband to angle for that at work or whatever and it really can be driven not by a genuine you know like I think they really are wronging you but it's just that kind of like that little discontented voice at home why can't Mm -hmm. you ask for more why can't you get a raise why do you think that they won't let you another element is if your husband has a weakness in if he's insecure and and when I say this, I actually mean just a human insecurity or weakness. I don't mean it like crisis level. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to say like imagine this impossibility that your husband may have a weakness. I just mean, of course, he has a weakness. Everybody has right. something like this. But there is a temptation, which is that if he is not feeling important enough at work, this may be a very bad little economy you have going anyways where he is maybe inflating the stories of how he's being super valuable at work and how he's the smartest one in the room hands down and it was clear and everyone knew it without him the company couldn't have lived and the boss never had a good idea he just Mm -hmm. steals his he can pass on little tidbits to you that can create that for him to feel more secure at home because he can he can portray something one way without including all of the information. Can I just And then his wife can be thinking she's just being super loyal. Like when you said that part about the wife going in to, yeah. to ream the boss yeah, about right. it, I would be willing I don't know that story, but I would be willing to bet that large amounts of the wife's intelligence on the situation were not accurate, right? Like that she was also outing her husband, not only as having a fiend of a wife at home, but as not having been telling the whole truth at home. Right. And the other thing is, is the um, one side of the story seems right until you hear the other, that doesn't magically go away just because it's your husband. Mm -hmm. And yes, you should be able to trust your husband and hopefully he's telling you the truth Mm -hmm. and all that, but he's not omnipotent and omnipresent and he doesn't actually know everything and all the ingredients. So you need to not just throw yourself in Mm -hmm. to the injustice of it all when you actually don't know what the other side is. But what your description there reminds me of that line in that hideous strength where Mark comes home and is talking about all the great things that are going to happen at this new thing or whatever. And, and both of them are insecure and Lewis describes it as something like, and so all evening the male bird displayed his plumage and the female showed more interest than she felt or something, Totally, you know, like there, there is the desire for a husband to fluff up his feathers because he wants his wife to be proud of him. And, and the reality is it's a, it's, I, if I could pull back, I'm like, I don't know how to describe this because of course nobody, I just, nobody really knows us in our own marriages. But if you could pull back the veil on what percentage of the pie, when Luke and I are talking seriously about things that concern us in our life and what's going on in different things that we're dealing with, what percentage of the time are we actually just saying I understand how you feel I'm so sorry that it's like that this is so uh that is like a tiny fraction of the uh-huh. amount of com- like what yeah. we're actually talking about a huge amount of the time if we were dealing with any particular conflict or a hard something you know whatever yeah. a huge amount of what we do for each other is provide alternative uh 
like what else could have been happening in yep. this and and yep. sort of like that does you know the kind of thing that would be like that is a weird insult but I bet it wasn't about you anyways I bet it was about so you know like where you can talk about something from a different perspective yep. and say I imagine this could be mm -hmm. happening there mm -hmm. let's and that what we don't do is just side like team up with each other against somebody else yeah somebody else yeah. we don't do that we try to provide the three-dimensional you know like you have two eyes seen from different perspectives yeah. so that you can see three-dimensionally mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the additional dimension of a spouse who can see things from a different angle also yeah. and sees you from outside of yourself like yep. enough to say you know what I think is happening yeah I think that you didn't realize how you came off there. Right. You know, like I think that you didn't mean it that way, right. but it did seem like Or you even if did it's this. just a straight hard providence. Mm -hmm. You know, just something really difficult. You don't have to pretend it isn't, but you could really just say, you know, like I am just praying that that we will be faithful in this difficult thing and that we can trust that God will bless that. And we might not see it right now, but I think we need to have faith in God that he's going to bring good about if we are, you know, yeah. we do our duty right now. And if we stick it out right now, No, like I have confidence in God that later we will see why this happens. Yeah. Or we'll see the fruit of yeah. this faithfulness and then look for that. Like seriously look and then say later, say, you know what I realized is this actual big blessing that we're having right now. Remember how we prayed that God would honor that like three months ago. Remember that, yeah. you know, like just looking for ways to mm -hmm. point out God's faithfulness and point out the duty for us to be faithful at the same time. And don't, especially like if your husband is already struggling with a sinful attitude, I mean, don't do be, not. Don't be the little bellows. The right. little, like, let's Fan see if we flame. can get this thing to really take off. Like, right. so far, this root of bitterness has not defiled as many as we could maybe I get know, it up we could to. get it all over. Maybe we could make this even more And the pronounced. thing is, you could, um, you could, just with your little snipey conversation at home, make it so that your kids grow up without any relationship with their grandparents. Oh, like, yeah, big time. You could do that. And you would be robbing your kids of something. And I actually want to say something here that is important. Because pretty often I get uh, I get questions from people about how to deal with really difficult family members. Yeah. Or like complex family yeah. situations Dynamics. and what's happening. And this is not me making any specific statements about any specific kinds of obstacles. Because there may be family situations where you don't want to be in touch with those people, yeah, like yeah. where you actually need to Absolutely. just completely distance yourself and not do it. Yeah. But if it's like, she's so controlling about holidays. Yeah. If it's things of that magnitude, what you need to recognize is that it is more, I was going to say it's things like differences in, I don't know language usage or things that are okay, like sure. that level of like, I don't want to expose my kids to people sure. like this. Like I'm trying to protect my kids. I don't want them to see that my parents are badly yeah. behaved around each other, yeah. whatever. Um, and it, sometimes I think there's a legitimate, there's a real concern that you should be very careful about that. But other times I think it's like, is it more important that your kids see that you're actually trying to honor your parents like mm -hmm. like that you're trying to obey scripture and you can trust God for the protection that your children need in the sense that not that you wouldn't talk about it with them you would just be totally clear well like we knew some people who if they went to stay with the grandparents the TV was like perpetually on and it was who not knows good. who yeah. knows what yep and so our advice was, well, don't make a big thing about it, but just tell your kids that they're not to be in that room unless you're there and they can play outside or they can play in the mm -hmm. other room. And, and you can explain to the kids why, and you don't have to have it be a big throwdown. Mm -hmm. And now we're not going to see the grandparents mm -hmm. anymore. You know, right. like it's just, or you say things like your cousins use words that you are not allowed to use. Yeah. And say, so 
you are still to abide by our rules, right. even when, like, even when you're around your cousins, you're responsible to obey us, and that's yeah. what we expect. Or and we would this tell is how it's going our to be. Kids around whatever friends or whatever, it's like you have to still be a Merkel, and it yeah, doesn't matter yeah. where you are, no. you are still a Merkel. Situationally, nothing has changed with yeah. your vocabulary <laughs> usage. It's going to be the or same what as you it was. At. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, just and the thing is that the the truth is is learning to navigate that kind of a situation is a very important life skill for your kids. So, you know, yeah, totally. You're giving to your kids with that. I think that I think that the real problem here is that uh, Dad will always say about to guys. I mean, that you would want to find a woman that makes you stand tall. Yeah. Right. That's not because you want to find a nag. No. It's because you want for a boy to find... A, you want for a man to have a wife who expects him to stand tall and be respectable because she herself is doing the same spiritual work that makes her stand tall well, and be a godly woman. I'm sure I've said this before because this is something... Well, I've said this often. It, Ben's example is he said he feels like every woman sets brackets around her husband yeah in terms of you can either be the ceiling where he's never going to be able to go further because you are the ceiling you've set the bracket where he can't Mm -hmm. go above that because of you or you can be the floor that he can't sink below because Mm -hmm. you're the bracket there and you want to be that kind of a woman who is like you know the bar is here we don't go beneath that you don't want to be the lid that's keeping him down all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I I'm do want to say, I feel like we have to say this though, is that that being the floor that your husband can't go beneath, it doesn't mean he actually can't go beneath what you would want him to go beneath. And that that's very common. Like, like what I mean is in a match, you're talking about in a match, there are women who help their husbands excel and then there are women who keep their husbands from excelling who put a lid on how well he can do because they are too emotional or whatever is happening or they're needy Uh, or they never let him but i'm saying just because you're a godly woman doesn't mean that you can't be married to a man who then backslides off something but in that situation the expectation is still there for yourself. Meaning exactly. you still need to be walking with yeah. the Lord. You no. still need to be standing of course tall. Your husband can flame off and you could have done every correct thing. You know, like that's possible. Yeah. We're not saying that no. a good woman keeps her husband in line in a no. weird way no, no, like no. that. But, but you can decide that you're going to be <laughs> the kind of woman that doesn't egg him on in self-pity. No, I've doesn't had, I have had on. many counseling situations or counseling events where you are there to witness something where the overwhelming feeling is that this is a man who married a woman who is keeping him. A literal ball is, and chain. <laughs> she is, yeah, she is actually literally keeping him from. Yeah from doing what he's actually capable of. Well, and I've seen it with wives who um, can't leave their husband alone while he's at work. Like, constant calling, crying, needy, you have to come home, you have to do this, you have to, I need you to interrupt what you're doing. If you were actually a servant leader, you wouldn't have left me here with the kids. Right. You would be... And you are not, like, manning the fort while he is at work. You're not taking me on weekly dates. You're not doing, you know, like, lots of... And criticism and dragging on a I man. have done my fair share of calling Ben with a, wow, what do I do about this? Let's not forget that I lived through an indescribable period because I actually don't know how long it was. It, it can't have been that long. But there was a time when Luke came home every day to feed me lunch when I was nursing the oh, twins. Yeah. And that I was basically unable to speak until I'd gotten uh-uh. partway through eating a meatball sub. That is a weird interlude in our lives <laughs> that I look back on now with like, huh? Like it just is weird. I mean, he worked not very far from home and he would run home at lunch, but I actually remember being completely fogged out. Like, and I, it, we were so, I was so mentally absent while nursing the twins, mm-hmm. not all the time, but in the times 
if I needed to eat or something. It was like, yeah. it was like that. I always thought of those railroad, the big railroad lever that switches the tracks. Yes. It would be like something happened and my brain just turned off entirely. <laughs> and, but I was so mentally absent that it took us altogether too long to realize I should wean the twins <laughs> until we were like, you know what? I think they could use a this mom with a be, brain more than they good. more than they can use the breast yeah. milk at this point. But I just mean that, like, of course, hopefully, just putting that out there, your so husband, you know, yeah, you know. hopefully, you and your husband have a good relationship, and hopefully, he cares if there's a crisis at home, and hopefully, you can ask him about it and that sort of thing. But I'm talking about that just incessant, can't leave it alone, can't not have his attention be on you, can't mm-hmm. let the man work, and that sort of a that sort of a thing. I think women would do well to try to channel a little bit more of the like pioneer woman. Yeah, no, or the wives I didn't mean that. World War I did II. not mean Reed Drummond. I meant oh, yeah. an actual pioneer wife. Like I just mean like you know, like the, aren't you trying to build a your household? Husband's away I, at war. Yeah, you have to deal with it. You're gonna. Well, have you're gonna to have deal to be a grown up about that. And there's a lot of areas where women actually decide to not. Yeah, like I mean, in something where you're like. No, I will not kill a spider by myself. Yeah. Or yeah. one thing, I won't deal with vomit. So if vomit right. happens, then gonna have to I'm going to have to make my yeah. husband come home. Uh, yeah. There, I will not do, you know, whatever obstacles you have in front of you that you're like, this is a thing that I won't do. Yeah. There are a lot of things that I, that sometimes you just think, you know what? In fact, Luke was on a trip recently in our whole garbage situation it was a funny moment of me being like no I can take the truck to the dump just because I don't usually do yeah. the dump run doesn't mean I'm actually incapable of doing the dump run it's yeah. like you have to think it would bless my husband yeah. if I just handled this. this why don't I handle this instead of yeah. being like yeah. You forgot there's one other thing still on your list that I'll never help you with. <laughs> and <laughs> this I, is totally your job. I do think that there is, that's what I mean about being the ceiling for your husband. Like he can't ever actually give his work three minutes of concentration because there you are again. Well, that's, a, that's another thing from Lewis talks about it in the four loves. Just that the, that you just can't. A life of love and work together is shoulder to shoulder pursuing things that you are interested, like things that you value and care about Mm -hmm. together. It is not an indefinite gazing into each other's eyes. And if your idea of marriage is that the gazing into each other's eyes Mm -hmm. is the only thing that counts as love and sacrifice, like you'll Mm -hmm. have a, that'll be a hard, that'll Mm -hmm. be a hard time because that doesn't go along with the Christian, I the whole concept of getting married, having kids, building culture, right. leaving a like. You can't just be staring at each other the whole time because no. there's a lot of other work that has no. to be done. It's not honeymoon until you die. No, it's not. And where where I feel like we failed the next generation pretty dramatically is in letting everyone think that that that's what love actually is like instead of thinking that working on other things and caring about other things sweetens the love that you have for each other. how many divorces is the sort of stated reason we just just don't love each other anymore? We just don't love each other anymore. The spark 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 faded. Yeah. And so it's like this this, um, expectation that that is what it's supposed to be like forever. And rather than getting deeper and stronger and and changing. I think somebody asked us lately because we were because or I I think I saw a question about this because we when we talked about um, wasn't it Matthew West is out of theme when we talked about that song we were talking about teaching your daughters that you know like that there actually are leering Mm -hmm. monsters in the world and you should which which let me tell you something I'm ready. I'm going to have to come back around to this. Hold on. Pause. Somebody's asking about how do you teach your sons this? And I was going to say, I think the primary thing is raising your children in an understanding of what the Christian life actually is like and what it's like to serve God with everything you have around you and pursue him. Because I think it's so much not that we just are trying to warn our kids against the world. We want to give them a positive 
imaginative, creative vision for what it means to be a Christian. So like for your sons, it's not just saying, don't look at all the naked girls that are out in the world. It's instead saying, admire fatherhood, admire faithfulness, like love what's good and strong and true. And, and it's not just, you're not trying to create a vacuum of no lust. You're trying to create a positive love of the light and of righteousness and of what, you know, one of the things I love is all the young dads in our church who are always holding toddlers and babies and in the back of church Mm -hmm. and helping. Like, I think that does more. I think that that does more to help our sons resist the, you know, the call of the worldly sirens than any amount of close your eyes when you see, you know, like, although you do have to teach them what to do. You have to do both. It is everywhere. I was going to say hot weather and we were at a lake. Oh, awkward. I'll tell you what. There are dark things afoot in the world right now in the, in the realm of what people decide to wear out on the town in this time. But some that were so truly stunning. And one of my, one of my girls said, (laughs) there was just one moment that was like, it can't be ignored that this is happening. And all of us, it was like, I think it pretty much arrested the attention (laughs) of everyone on the street in Coeur d'Alene. I mean, I think everyone was just like, is it real that this is happening right now? And it, and it was real. It was very altogether too real. Mm -hmm. It was too real. And one of my girls said afterwards, I just feel really bad for that girl because I don't think anybody loves her. And I was like, it's truly true. The thing yeah. you say, and she said, because nobody told her that yeah. this was horrible. Like and it, <laughs> it was horrible. It was a very heavy woman with where, well, it, the, the point is it was a woefully insufficient and essentially absent swimsuit bottoms, Oh no! but she was just walking around forever. I mean, it was like absolutely (laughs) shocking, but it was also, it was also not at all enticing. It was an incredibly sad, like it was just a sad difficulty that was, that was (laughs) happening. And sometimes, sometimes there's the immodesty that you're like, no, that's a true duessa in the sense that like what looks good on the outside is nothing but death on the inside. Right. And that's the thing you need your sons to know. Like, don't uh-huh. spend time yep. thinking about duessas and their yeah. beauty. But on the other hand, there's immodesty is just, so rampant in the world yeah. that some of it is like the the clarity of what's happening was kind of like, yeah. this is... But I do think it's important to, like, the flee youthful lusts is you have to flee. You can't just... Yeah. You can't just casually be in the middle of it and just have right but also don't but also don't flee it in a way that makes a really big to do about the fact that there will be that in the world all the time and that you need to love what you need more than more than the ability to slap your hand over your eyes is the ability to love what's actually true and good and beautiful yeah but without without deciding ah I can just, I'm not. No, I don't mean, I don't mean that. But I think, I think what I'm trying to say is that mothers raising, and I only have a 13 year old son, so Mm -hmm. we have not done the whole teen years. You for sure want to want them to just not your, the, the first impulse they have should be to look away, to turn around, to not pursue that. We've always taught our kids. Well, there's a couple things. One is that like, Ben has used this example in, in other ways, but you know how if you throw a ball at somebody when they aren't expecting it, some people's instinct is to duck and some people's is to reach out and catch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a, it, there's this sort of, um, which way do you flinch in the, in the instant where something yeah. happens, which way do you flinch? And so you have to teach your kids and not just boys, you have to teach your kids to have the right reflex when confronted with something because you don't have to go looking for it. You might just be casually minding your own business. You might just be trying to go to get lunch. And 
the thing is, is we've just said the first look just happens to you. You know, like you might be minding your own business and that first look is, but the second look is you. And that's the thing. Like you, which direction do you flinch in the direction of swivel around and get a bigger, longer look? Yeah. Find out more about if someone's being immodest. Right. Or do you just, just there it is. And then you look away and you move on with your life, you know, because you don't have to act like because you saw the magazine cover in the grocery aisle, now you're in sin. Mm-hmm. But if you did swivel around and spend some time there, then maybe you are. You know, like yeah. it's the second look that's the that's the issue. And so you have to like, like anything else, it's it's a training the reflex. Like, what mm-hmm. are you when you when you are confronted with that? Then what? You know. Yes. Do but you I, zoom I in think my point not? is that I think mothers need to be way more confident. I don't know. And I'm, I think, I guess it actually Less really fearful? depends, re, re, probably really depends on how you actually are already handling things. There are things that we like, for instance, no way are we going to be spending vast amounts of time at a city pool. No. Like we're just not. We're not going, you know, like when we go to beachy places, we go to places where there are not as many, like we're not going to go hang out with what's happening in swimsuits today. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. We're not spending a lot of time at the pool where all the flesh is. We're not doing that because we're just avoid, like we're not watching movies without that angel-y thing. So, so yes, we do all kinds of work to not present it to ourselves. But I also think it's a huge mistake for parents to be so fearful that, that like, to act like the corrupting influence is coming to your kids from outside. It is within us all. You could have have a kid who's never seen an immodest woman who can still be in sin. That's what I was going to say, is he could be consumed with lust and you could have faithfully kept him from ever laying eyes on anything that wasn't a prairie dress and he could still be and he could still be eaten alive with lust lust. and and so it's not i guess in one on one hand i want to say be way more courageous and uh don't act like everything can like this is why we need Jesus because we actually can't overcome our sins or overcome any of this without Christ. But at the same time, we can have great confidence in Christ and not live like a, I don't know. I've experienced more whizzed up modesty patrol officers of mothers who like freak out that the Land's End swimsuit catalog came into their mailbox. Right. And, and just like too fearful to realize that your children will struggle with this and when they do struggle with it you need to actually be a voice of reason and and help that like right. you need to help them process these struggles like a christian who's going right. to do battle with it not like someone who's supposed to live in a world where this will never happen right to them right. you need to actually understand that of course there will be this struggle of course you want to protect them from things they're not fit to deal with right Right. now but what you want is to make them fit to behave like a christian on their own because it is true that god saw fit to have them born in this century yeah right now he puts them here which means that it is possible to be faithful when confronted with diabolical sexual depravity everywhere and it is possible to be faithful and it is possible to push back against the tide and try to make headway in the other direction. Like totally cultures have fallen, but cultures have been saved before. And our job is to be laboring diligently right now. And we need reinforcements and those should be your children. One thing we've told our kids about any internet things, phones or any time that they have access to the internet, which is really limited until they're like, our younger kids have no none nunzo access sure. to the internet but our older kids have occasional or you know our oldest has a phone and you know whatever we have great all sorts of grades but one of the things that we have explained to them is that you don't have good instincts 
yet. And we've said it, your dad and I do not trust ourselves on the internet. I said, it's just that we know we are better at reading the signals of what is a right. thing you would not click on. What is it? And I would say, it's not that we think we're so mature we can go anywhere on the internet. Right. We are just mature enough to be street smart right. about it. We know right. where to not, what to not fall into, where right. to not go. But it's not like we're like, oh, don't worry. We travel all yeah. over the internet with no fear. Right. We actually just have learned enough yeah. to not. like. Yeah. And so what we have tried to, what we've explained to our kids is we want to see you we want to see you developing those same instincts. We want right. you to recognize what's a horrible idea, what's, you know, and be cautious and careful, but it's not like we don't want you to be able to go about your right. life. Right. Anyways. Well, we really zoomed off on a different topic a there. Hot tip. Um, hot tip. I feel like I should have a hot Me tip. Me too, but I don't. I feel like Surely I've come up with one in my Something, life somewhere. recently, but I've been on vacation. Sadly, nay. Perhaps not coming up with anything. Yeah. Of so I note. guess in the end, don't be a worm tongue wife. Yeah, and recognize and and join the Bible reading challenge if you're yeah. not reading your Bible. Recognize that what your husband needs more than your uh, sweetsy sympathy back padding kind of thing is for you to be a woman of the word, a woman of God, a woman who's faithful. A woman with strength of character. Yes. And you know that whole thing about, uh, the wife, the husband, the, no, sorry. The, about the, who can find a virtuous wife. It's the heart of her, her husband, husband yeah. safely trusts in her. And there's something that nobody talks about in there, which is that hearts of husbands can trust in things that are not safe. Oh, yeah. And that it's not saying, oh, he can, I mean, like, when it says it's safely trust in her, it should mean that if your husband is trusting in you, that is no indication that you're safe. Right. Like, and that you need to realize the only thing that makes you a safe place for him to trust is that you're faithful to God. Yep. And if you're not, if you're just like, oh, you can trust me and I will say whatever comes to my mind when you tell mm -hmm. me something else. That's mm -hmm. not, he's, he's trusting in you, but yep. not safely. Absolutely. So don't be that person. Don't do it. Don't warm tongue. Yeah. All right. What a great tip we came I up know. with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all there. <laughs> we'll try to think of something And also more. don't be a warm tongue sister, daughter, friend, aunt. Don't do it. Oh, just. Wouldn't it be great if we could just quit that altogether? And actually, oh wait, here's a hot tip. Okay. If you think you might have been, get yourself online and, and read uh, the bitterness booklet, which is free online. How to be free from bitterness. Yes, this is Grandpa Jim. And some people think it's fussy of us how often we feel free to talk about bitterness in our community. But boy, is but it But man, is the bitterness problem. a real epidemic. Yeah. So yeah. what I'd like to say is go read it and exactly. think about it and prayerfully ask God to show you if you have been doing this and ask him to root it out of your life. Oh, good one. Good, good tip. tip. Good tip. <laughs> All right. Till next All right. time. Bye. Bye.